Welcome to the Kickstart Podcast, where we highlight the stories of how professionals kickstarted and navigated their very successful careers. My name is Preston, and on this episode, we have the pleasure of hosting someone who has an impressive recruiting career, working initially at a nationwide staffing agency, to then at high-profile, fast-growth companies like WeWork, Xander, and now Snowflake. Austin, thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Preston. It's good to catch up and connect with you. Likewise. And I know it's been a long time. And just to give the audience context, Austin happened to be my manager at my first job at the agency. And I give him 100% of the credit for taking a chance on me. Um, And excited to talk about that more. But before we get into that, Austin, before we get into that, I have to ask you. So for people who are unfamiliar with you and your background, of course, I did my best to kind of give them a little teaser of what you've accomplished sure. so far in your career. Would you mind just sharing a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess background high level, I'm a San Francisco, California native, but I've been in New York for coming up on 10 years in November. Um, but I've been in the talent acquisition space um, and I've sort of seen it through three lenses from the agency side, um, from the SaaS software side, I spent a little bit of time at LinkedIn selling LinkedIn to agency recruiters and then in the internal side. Worked with a variety of you know companies, as you mentioned, whether they're small, high growth companies to larger name brand companies like WeWork, um, which is sort of expanding their tech market, um, and then also in different industries. But most recently, um, was formerly the lead for Streamlit, which is a data science tech startup, and we just got bought by Snowflake. That's amazing. So there's a lot of different things I want to touch upon in this podcast, but let's just take a step back and talk about your agency experience. So real quick, what did you do before uh, you started working in the agency? Did you have a career mind um, or trajectory in in place or you just stumbled upon agency world and like, okay, wow, this is the career for me? No, I think, you know, I think the joke in recruiting is always like, how did you get into recruiting? People are like, just very haphazardly. Um, That's the same storyline for me. I was actually post-grad living in LA, working at a fashion PR company. So very different Um, and wasn't truly fulfilled with fashion PR. It's still something that is a side hobby and passion for me, but um, moved home and I applied to a sales job on Craigslist, which happened to be JobSpring, which is the agency that we worked at. and learned sales from like a recruiting perspective. And I've been in the industry ever since. Was it an easy decision for you to accept or did you have other offers on the table? You're like, hmm, maybe it's this is gonna be a good plan B, plan C for my career or maybe jobs did such a good job in pitching it. You were excited. You liked the people that you interviewed with and you decide let's just do mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you know, I think, well, there weren't that many options at that time. I had graduated college um, at a, non-favorable economic time. And so there wasn't a lot of job opportunities. However, I did know that I wanted to learn sales, um, mostly attracted to the ability that I was thinking, okay, I like talking with people. I like working with people. You know, what is a profession that I could learn the most? Um, And that sort of what drove me to accept the job at JobSpring, although it was the only offer that I had. So I had to make it work. And that's kind of, yeah, I just took a chance on it, to be honest. And I didn't didn't know about the field of recruiting when I lit, when I sat down day one at JobSpring. I truly didn't know what exactly and how exactly this kind of sales would work. Mm-hmm. So walk me through just like, what was it like just starting an agency career? Like what, mm-hmm. what did your day-to-day look like yeah. um, up until the point for, for example, like when I joined the team? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is wrong or right to say, but I honestly, it was very intense. One, because knowledge transfer, you know, my background and what I was doing before was fashion. It's a completely different world, learning about how technology works. So that was an obstacle. The second is working at an agency is very demanding. I think back in the days, and I'm not sure how the the industry has changed, but it was extremely numbers heavy, right? You showed up at work at 7.30, you had lunch, the very specific 30 minutes, you sent out X amount of messages per week. You had to make X amount of phone calls every week. And then at the more senior you got, your paycheck depended on how many placements you made. And I think through actually a culmination of different work experiences, you know, a, I had so many different jobs. I was a tennis coach. I worked at an investment bank. Um, I interned for a politician. Um, you know, I did PR. And so learning what I was good at coming into the job was very different. But what I learned is a lot of things are transferable. Great communication, 
writing, follow-ups, like very, the, the very sort of like basic day-to-day -day was very transferable. And so I just put my head down and worked really hard. Um, I exited, you know, my year and a half as the number one salesperson at JobSpring in my class and was able to get a promotion to New York, which I was extremely bullish about. Um, I talked to upper management a lot about wanting to get that opportunity to go to New York to get that experience. I don't know if this is the advice part, but I, I would say if you want something to be as vocal with leadership as possible and set clear expectations about what do you need to do to get to that level uh, and work towards that and make sure that leaders are bought in into your success. Um, and yeah, I've been in New York ever since that move. That's awesome. And now here comes Preston. So I, I remember the, the biggest appeal when I initially interviewed is that in New York, you moved to a brand new office, a brand new city, and you were actually also responsible for creating a brand new team, right? So, so you weren't, you didn't join a pre-existing large team. You're like, hey, Austin, here's our initiative. We want you to kickstart a product and UX team. It's a startup within yes. a massive agency. I remember that. I'm like, that is super cool. Um, hmm. I didn't, I don't remember if I knew from the day one, I was interviewing for this team. Maybe it was another team. Um, but I remember just also having a really memorable, lively first exchange with you when I interviewed mm -hmm. your job there. And it was super fun and positive and you were very like, laid back and casual. I had to ask, what, what, what was your honest first opinion of me when you met me? Mm, that's a good question. And I totally ignored the second part of your question originally too. So I can answer that too. I remember interviewing you and I was like, this person will do what it takes to understand how to be good at this job day one. Um, and I just remember you were so focused in being able to like understand what the market was truthfully in a time where we didn't even know how to manage that market. And you were such a good thought partner in trying to determine like, what are companies, how do we really think about strategies? But what I was also attracted to is just your, your energy, the way that you talk, the way that you communicate you know, it was just like, okay, this is the kind of person on my team that we need, like, because this is a hard team. We have to attract positive members to the sales team for us to really be successful. Yeah, I appreciate that. I gave you an opportunity to say anything you wanted, Austin, but thankfully you you, you said nice words. So thank you for that. <laughs> Nothing but nice things, <laughs> Preston. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, no, it, it was awesome. And again, I just have to literally give you the credit. I mean, you didn't have to make a decision, but you guys did. So I'm, I'm, I'm always grateful. We'll always be grateful uh, to you. And I had such a wonderful experience working underneath you, but you know, I don't want to have too much focus on me here, but you know, you and I, and a couple others on the team, um, just grew this team and we did really, really well the first year. Um, but then fast forward, um, for you, did you ever like think about, hmm, maybe I just want to stay in the agency world for a long time. Like what about, what about the internal, the corporate side really attracted you or you just want to do something else? Very question. I think at that time, to be honest, I was really burnt out. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you become a manager at that level, a lot of what you're doing is more so business development, going in front of client, trying to get the requisitions, prove that your team is knowledgeable and kind of get that business. Um, and a friend of mine growing up had a friend who worked at LinkedIn selling LinkedIn recruiter and LinkedIn products to agency recruiters. And I was like, this actually is a really great opportunity for me to learn, um, a software sales skill set, but also work in a name brand company to kind of get larger company experience. Um, it was definitely a risk um, because pivoting a career like that, you kind of go, you essentially take a step back, right? Um, but it was an invaluable experience because I've been able to use some of those sales strategies in recruiting and be able to use that, you know, throughout my career in every job. It might have felt like a risk to you at that time, but in retrospect, if someone were to look at your LinkedIn, your career progression, it also just makes sense. I mean, on the agency side, I'm sure you agree, Austin, recruiting is very sales oriented. And so a lot of the things that you train are just basic sales skills. I think recruiting as a domain is a sales heavy role. Even if you're recruiting for an internal company, you're still yeah. going out there and customizing, personalizing, pitch right? Getting people excited and understanding what they want, understanding what they don't want. Like that's all sales. And so um, I'm glad you brought this up because a lot of times people break into recruiting like us on the agency side and mm -hmm. either they stay in the agency side or if they leave, 
a lot of them leap immediately to the internal side. But what you've done is what a lot of people still do, but not as much, I think, from just um, following and just seeing the industry. But you basically leveraged your experience at this agency. You know, you know what? Maybe I want to just try to get out of recruiting a little bit and just leverage my sales skills into a sales role. And I think there's a, even though it might felt like and looked like a risk at that time, it just, it's conceptually, it still makes sense. There's a lot of transferable skills like you talked there about. Is. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, but then you did that. And then you, and what happened when you're like, mm, maybe I want to go back into recruiting. Like mm-hmm. what, what was that catalyst and tipping point for you? Why did you not continue into like the SaaS yeah. sales career? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, back to your point you're just talking about, recruiting is the sales arm of HR. So it is exactly a sales role. You're just, your product is different, but just to your point, all the techniques are exactly the same, right? You're selling, you're pitching. And on the recruiting side, you're also pitching on both ends, right? You're pitching the candidate, the opportunity, but then you're also pitching the business where this potential candidate could fit in. And that kind of skill set doesn't really go away if it's agency or internal, like we still do the same things. So the reason why I left software sales is quite frankly, I was not very good at software sales. <laughs> um, I was almost too forgiving a lot of times with, with discounts and like empathy towards my customer, um, which is a little bit of a push because you're trying to hit your revenue goals. Um, and so I sort of realized that what attracted me, what I like about sales is actually the people aspect of the sales part. So I mm-hmm. wanted to get back into recruiting. From a fulfillment standpoint, I think recruiting is very rewarding because you're helping people gain opportunities or access to opportunities that they may not have had, whether that's you know money for their families or opportunity for their skill set where they had a miss or not the opportunity to learn something in that role. But then you're also helping the business, right? And I think recruiting in HR has become a really well-respected profession in the last, you know, five to 10 years. I sort of hate to say that out loud, but I think there's been a lot of mystery around what exactly do HR professionals, do recruiters do. And now businesses today really understand the importance of having a good recruiter to be able to retrain, to attain and hire the right talent. And then also think through how we're actually becoming more of a people and culture first organization. So I love that. I love that. And you're right. I agree. I think uh, over the past five years, recruiting has become an HR more mainstream, more trendy, Mm -hmm. more sexy of a career for a lot of people. Um, And so it's, you know, obviously it's, it helped our careers um, and it's, we were able to kind of ride and continue to ride that way. Who knew though? I never thought going into an agency that, even, you know, post pandemic, right? Like coming back from COVID when things started to open up. I remember there was a huge spike in people hiring recruiters, right? And I never felt that before. You're always kind of tapping into your own personal network, trying to figure out like which companies are hiring on a boom. But at that moment, you know, a year and a half ago, everyone was hiring for a recruiter. Different climate currently at the moment, but yeah. it just shows, goes to show how businesses are putting more thought into the kinds of folks that they're hiring, mm-hmm. um, mostly because DI also plays a part in that, you know, being more inclusive around our hiring strategies requires a lot more thought into where we're sourcing and how we're attracting talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, the past two, the, the first two years of 2020, uh, the boom that Austin's referring to, especially in tech, has been a boom to a level that I haven't even seen myself in my in my career. Like it was just ridiculous. And um, in technology, we like to joke that some of the hardest, you know, the professionals to recruit and source for are just, you know, engineers, just largely because everyone needs engineers and mm-hmm. everyone's battling for the same, the same talent. But, you know, there was a small period of time during the boom where companies were scaling at such a rapid pace uh, that Austin uh, alluded to that they really needed as much help uh, hiring tons of recruiters or poaching recruiters at an unprecedented level I've ever seen, uh, where for a first time in probably a long time or the first time in technology recruiting, recruiters are almost as cool as engineers yes. um, at that time. Yes, right? wait, I would completely agree with that. It was like hiring engineers and hiring recruiters were like the top tier, yep. most desirable. Wow, I never would have thought applying to a job on Craigslist would at an industry I had really no idea what I was doing back in the day now is really the hot ticket in tech. So 
Yeah, I mean, like, you know, good engineers are just really good professionals in general. I don't want to undersell any other, but like, you know, you probably get reached out to a certain number of times per day by headhunters, recruiter agencies, or companies. And then uh, engineers a little bit more just because nature of competition. But when people needed and want recruiters, this is what I was talking about earlier, where like recruiters like Austin, like me, and many other people in, in the industry would get hit up all the time at a rate that like just jaw dropped all of us. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to be the rock star. The compliment, um, right? You were like, compliment. finally, yeah. <laughs> yes, we're finally getting recognized. <laughs> um, final thoughts though, on, on the agency here. So I don't want Austin to undersell himself. You know, he was literally start from the bottom. I think most people at agencies start the same way. They literally start with no experience and you get rewarded very quickly based on performance. So just the fact that you became number one um, in your class, that's amazing. When I joined, Austin was a manager of a team. And I think the average size of the team is probably like four to six, right? Um, and, six, and, yeah. and, and you started a brand new startup team and you crushed it. And uh, it was an awesome, awesome ride. And even though it was difficult, um, yeah. I, I'm grateful for that experience. I'm, I'm 100% grateful. So yeah. For people who are interested in maybe getting into recruiting like the way we did or you did to want to want to follow in your footsteps, what would you say is like your biggest advice for people in the agency world or like what is maybe uh, the one thing that you love and, or, and maybe the one thing that maybe you didn't love the most in the agency mm -hmm. world just to kind of give people a better kind of contextual understanding? Yeah, I think so. My advice if you're thinking about getting into an agency is there are recruiters for every kind of business role level of role there's types different types of recruiting there's the agency model which we came up with but then there's also retained executive search right so i think do your research and diligence around what kind of recruiting is going to be best suited for you um you know specifically as well the types of roles right there's tech typically people separate between tech and business um the second is really think about what those what kind of skills you'll learn right and i think Agency recruiters, and when I was hiring for my recruiting team at Streamlit, people with agency backgrounds learn how to manage multiple priorities, um, work with varying types of personalities on the candidate and client side, work on business development, work on recruiting, work on organization. So I think that if you can piece apart what you're looking for in your career, you'll certainly not only really find that in recruiting, um, but kind of thinking through like, how's that going to help your career long-term as well? Is there, is there one thing that maybe you, you like the least out of the agency world? Yes, of course. It's about it taking me, okay, wait. So I will say the draw, how we got paid. That I think was a little, that was a new concept um, for me, but it was something that I didn't really understand. Um, because you essentially had to gamify how you would be making placement. So essentially how a draw works for folk, for folks who are unfamiliar with it is that your company will pay you X amount of money, mm -hmm. but you would have to make that up in your commissions. So let's say your draw was $5,000 and you made commission of $10,000, you would get 5,000 back because the company had already paid you. Um, and there was a strategy to it. And I think there was a miss on my end for not really like thinking deeply about like, how do I make more money? Because I was so focused on building this office from the ground up. I mean, when we joined, when we started this team, Preston, like there were no candidates, there were no clients, no one knew about UX, UI, no one knew about product. It was a market that the entire company hadn't touched before at all. So I didn't have time to think about my strategy to make money. I was just like, how do we get people in the door? Mm -hmm. um, but that actually brings back advice. If you're going into the agency, talk to people about what the commissions look like and how you will be getting paid. For sure. I, lo I love that because uh, what Austin's talking about, not all agencies comp their team the same way. Some are more heavy on commissions. Others are heavier on salary. Others combination mm -hmm. of both. Um, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I was honestly really sad when, when you're like, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. but but it's always been great to keep in touch over the years and, and here we are so um fast forward again you you, you decided to step outside from recruiting you go into a sales mm -hmm. role on linkedin you said it was challenging for you for reasons i'm very surprised to hear about because i just remember you as a manager um at the agency to be super aggressive super you know you know, you know the right time <laughs> to push when to not push what happened to you why did you not carry these these badass recruiting skills to you and crush it at LinkedIn. Yeah. It's a completely different domain, huh? Or different experience. <laughs> you know what? 
It's a good question. I don't think that I, honestly, I don't think I really enjoyed it as much as I did working with businesses because you're essentially like selling a product that works. I mean, LinkedIn is the best product for recruiting, right? And so I think I just had a, I had a, a little bit of a challenge. Mm. You, I think, and as I'm thinking through this, one challenge is with recruiting on the agency side, you can choose who your clients are. Mm right? So if you have a great business relationship with somebody, you foster that great. But if you had a bad relationship with a client, you could just say, great, I'm not recruiting for you. Mm -hmm. um, you have a setbook of business in like a software sales role. So like these are your mm -hmm. customers for a year. Um, and I think after the third year getting my third book, which was the same book, posed a lot of difficulties with me being able to sell my customers more when I'd been their rep for three years consecutively. And I've sold them products. You know, now I was like, you know, at the end of it, I almost feel like I was getting desperate to even get a sale across because these customers who are in the SMB space had heard from me so many times and I'd met them so many times with different products and different discounts. Um, and so that essentially, I think what was kind of a determining factor for me to go and explore internal recruiting. That makes sense. Also, our jobs in New York office is kind of like a startup. It wasn't really that big. And you were kind of like the founder of uh, a startup team, right? So maybe you also had, a, you were used to, uh, you were, you know, everyone, it, the office was so small, like everyone knew each other. Everyone got along really well. I think that's probably yeah. played a little dynamic. And then you just probably had a lot more ownership as well, right? Um, LinkedIn obviously is a massive company. Yep. And, you know, you weren't like the only um what was your title? Account manager there. There were probably a bunch, right? So maybe like different Gosh, dynamics. Yeah, I was like one of a thousand SMB account manager reps, you know? Right. So, but at the same time, I'm sure that was a cool experience. Um, but I'm, I mean, I first of all, friends with, I'm still friends with my LinkedIn friends met, you know, and also too, when I moved to New York for job spring, I'd never been to New York before. I don't even have a family here. I just showed up day one. And so a lot of my even personal friendships have been through folks that I've met at work. Mm -hmm. So there's just, yeah, this whole recruiting and personal experience kind of ties into like my New York professional side. So Well, early in your career in New York, uh, brand new coming in as a transplant, Austin, you didn't do too shabby. You worked at JobSearing, obviously, which is a nationwide reputable agency. Then you broke into your first tech company, it's not a recruiting capacity of sales, but still LinkedIn is obviously very highly respected and regarded. Um, mm. Without going too much into this, for people who are yeah. curious about working at LinkedIn, what was like the interview process like? Do you remember? Was it like short, long? Mm. Was it rigorous? Do you remember? I don't remember. Mm. I definitely had to do a presentation, like mm. a role play, which I think is pretty standard with sales positions mm -hmm. but that was a while ago okay. so I don't think I could speak to it I'm not sure if LinkedIn has changed their interview process too so not to date myself my my interview experience might be very different <laughs> but overall like you know it, it was a cool company to work for I'm sure you learned a lot oh my gosh. yeah I mean it was a company that really valued you know um transparency which is sort of the first organization that I really worked with people really supported what you were doing there was a sense of camaraderie LinkedIn really takes care of its employees in terms of benefits. I mean, we, you know, we had really great customers and so it's just a great learning experience. Um, but more importantly, LinkedIn invested a lot in their employees for what they wanted to learn, like held a lot of sessions around um, things that might be related to your day-to-day -day job or not, which I thought was pretty progressive for that time. Yeah, I love it. Um, thank you for sharing the insights. So you did well at LinkedIn and then you're like, you know what, maybe I want to go back into recruiting. Um, and then, you know, your first company LinkedIn, and then you joined WeWork, which is again, like a, really one of the most well-known companies out there. So did you cold apply? how did you get the job? Was it through a headhunter? Was it through a referral? Um, and what, what, what was it like um, as, you know, your first real professional experience recruiting in-house because all you knew was agency. So how was that ramp up for you? How was that experience? So we're going to tie it all the back to JobSpring. I got it through JobSpring Connect. Um, there you go. My first manager, Lana Forehand, her husband was working. I don't know if it was executive search or something, but he was essentially staffing. We work here in New York for their founding uh, engineering recruiters as wow. WeWork was moving into like, we want to pitch ourselves as a tech company. Um, 
And so they had reached out to me and said, hey, we're hiring for a senior recruiter. You know, we're looking for folks with agency backgrounds to join this team. And I was like, great. This sounds like a great, you know, way to get into internal recruiting, but also working with a coordinator and sourcer, right? Kind of those three pillars of recruiting that really make that machine work. Um, and so another kind of build opportunity again, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of how do we pitch? We work as a tech company. What is our interview process? You know, how do we actually you know, hire at scale internationally across multiple teams. Um, so it was a, yeah, definitely another zero to one opportunity again. And then um, you were there during like the, I guess the, the peak, right? When, 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 <laughs> when everyone, when everyone was talking, <laughs> <laughs> what was, so you were there when everyone was looking and hearing and just reading about WeWork 24 seven, you were obviously part of WeWork. How, what was that like? What, what just if you could touch upon it briefly for people who are just curious? Agency, high volume, hire as many people as possible. Like go, go, go. Wow. Um, you know, and we, you know, I, I will say I was bad at it in the beginning, horrible, because I didn't have internal agents, internal recruiting experience. I'd only known agency. But what I think people, if you're looking to make the transition from agency to internal recruiting, there's a lot of project management you got to learn. You know, how do you manage up to your stakeholders? Do they have their job descriptions ready? The interview process formatted? Who are the interviewers? What levels are they? What levels can they interview for? How are you pitching the position and the company and the team? You know, how long should the interviews be? You don't necessarily have as much insight into that on the agency side where you're just really trying to find an individual. Although you are educating that candidate on the interview process, you're not planning all of that with your customer at all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was put in a position where I was working with a VP of engineering and a VP of product who were very seasoned, like worked at Google and these big companies. And they got me who was agency and then SaaS salesperson coming into my first internal recruiting job. Um, and so in the beginning, it was really tough because I had to learn how to make my stakeholders happy, but also recruit. Um, and then once that was sort of settled, how do you actually recruit at scale? I mean, I think we grew from like 75 to 150 in like a year and a half or something. Wow. It was like very intense. Um, On average, how many like open positions or recs were you responsible for? I think at one time I had like 39 plus. How do you, how do you prioritize that? How do you manage that? What's your number one advice for handling large volume of open positions? So at that point, I didn't because I just felt like I was a chicken running with my head cut off and just trying to please everybody. Now, learning what I know through my experience, you know, helping Streamlit go zero to one is being extremely thorough in what the headcount plan is. Okay, Q2, we have this, what are our key hires for which teams that are most impactful for our business success and also who we have staffed, where are our gaps, really understanding um, how to plan and prioritize literally, like if you have 30 recs, one through 30, segment them through like a quarter and kind of figure it out. Things will change, but there's no way you can successfully be a good recruiter if you're trying to fill 39 positions separately. I you know? agree. Yeah, it's super important to be organized and prioritized. Were you, did you end up managing anybody at WeWork or how big was like the team that you were on when at the peak? No, so I wasn't managing anybody, but definitely working with a sourcer and uh, coordinator. So even though they weren't like direct reports, I would say, you know, you're still kind of helping manage. But yeah, I would, it was, it was an, it was an okay experience. <laughs> I'm glad you're taking the silver lining of it all. But I mean, that's, that's cool. I, I think it'd be challenging for a lot of people in the beginning um, to learn and ramp up new processes. What would you say is like the biggest difference of the end of life of an agency recruiter or an in-house recruiter? Is it just a lot more um, learning the processes and, and working closer on a deeper level with the internal stakeholders, the founders? Um, is, would you say like that, that area is probably the, the biggest difference or? Yeah. Certainly the biggest difference because you're more involved with the product. Um, you know, you're not engineering it, but you're certainly trying to figure out how do I make this story relatable? Mm-hmm. So it's a different type of sell. It's I think on the recruiting side, agency recruiting side specifically, I feel like it's a very fast, like, hey, here's the opportunity, here's the position, here's what I know about the role. 
get on the phone with this customer, get on the phone with this CEO, right? Versus internal, um, you're really managing from a full cycle perspective, everything from that LinkedIn message all the way up until negotiation, but you're also working with your stakeholders internally. Um, Cause oftentimes it isn't organized. That's what happens where there's a miss and it was actually a blind spot. And I realized why we get frustrated with my customers on the agency side when they would be on hold or unresponsive. Mm-hmm. It's because oftentimes you have to recalibrate and figure out where we might not be interviewing correctly. We might need someone more senior or we could be okay with somebody more junior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the things that I hadn't seen until like working in an internal role. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And then after that, you joined, I think, Xander and Streamlit um, that then obviously, I think, got acquired, right, um, into the current company you are right now. Um, so yeah. what, I'm, what I'm really curious with is, did a lot of your day-to-day change um, from WeWork or has it really just, for the most part, stayed the same at different types of companies? Um, but the, my biggest question is, uh, well, let me let me let you kind of answer that first. So, did, were processes different, or on the whole, it was basically it was really the same? I think it's fairly the same, but you're dealing with different stages, right? Mm-hmm. So, Streamlit was I was employee 19. I was the first recruiter. We were just hiring across tech and business. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is WeWork was an established company, had name brand recognition before, so there were already resources available. Um, when I started at Streamlit, um, our founders, Amanda and Adrian and Tiago had done a really good job using Notion. Everyone should use Notion. It's a PM tool to kind of write out the company history and mission and things like that. Um, but we still had to work on how do we actually craft this opportunity uh, to the right way when you don't have name bringing recognition. Um, Streamlit had a community because it a part of it, uh, most of it was open source. Um, so that was a recruiting vehicle, but setting up all of the processes and sitting day one at Streamlit, it took, you know, two, three months of just planning before we even started recruiting, getting our JD standardized interview training, you know, how do we interview? What is our interview philosophy? What questions, what technical questions are we asking? And really making sure that everyone is organized before you start recruiting. Because I was very specific with the founders when I interviewed with them is, is that I've been hired into recruiting orgs where someone comes in and your manager and the business is like, great, the recruiter is here. We need 30 people go, but you've missed the most important part, which is planning and taking time to plan because then you really disrupt candidate experience. You are not clear on what your expectations are, timelines, things like that. It's so easy for someone like myself that most of my career is in the agency world. So that's really most of what I know, right? And, and to, to Austin's point, when he was on the agency side, it's very easy to be like, oh, this is a great client or this client's very frustrating because they don't get back to me. But sometimes it's easy and great to be reminded that so many things go on on the internal side that things change constantly or you're always waiting and depending on whether it's a busy time or something happening, right? Um, recruiting, yeah. can, recruiting is dynamic. It can go fast. It can slow down a little bit. People can change their opinions. Um, I would I, say I, one more thing too, that was something really interesting is pay and pay equity and learning how recruiter, internal recruiters actually pay a huge role in that. You know, when you're hiring for a specific level on a team, looking at your salary ranges and making sure that folks with equivalent experience are paid relatively the same, or if someone's more experienced for very specific reasons and skill mm-hmm. sets to make sure you pay folks appropriately versus, you know, on the agency side, the negotiation is there, but you're not as thoughtful around maintaining pay equity, right? You're thinking through what is the candidate looking for? What can my customer or client afford? And then it's my job to just make that work, right? But you're not privy to the other people on that team. Um, and maybe, I don't know if you do that now, but that could be something too that you ask your clients to really get some good intel and help you close close candidates too. You don't have to give specific examples, but would you say on the whole, the companies that you've worked at, like the offers that you extended and team has extended has for the most part been fair? I'm only asking because of people in tech or people who are unfamiliar with tech, it's easy to read articles and see shows that like some companies, you know, for the same uh, candidate would offer a 200 while others would offer 150 while others would be like, you know, let's lowball and offer them a hundred. So would you say maybe for the, for the most part, you've worked at a lot of different types of companies from smaller to bigger um, 
how how did they handle and um, the the whole kind of making sure they pay uh, people fairly? I would say for the most part, I've always worked in recruiting organizations where leaders, both on recruiting and engineering and product, are make an offer that makes sense to get this candidate excited mm-hmm. with being mindful around our ranges, right? Not going way above and beyond. Um, what I think happens, and this is just my personal opinion, is you don't establish trust as a recruiter in the beginning and demonstrating, and all good recruiters should also have their candidates back as well, being able to advocate for them. They're not going to trust you in the first stage. You know, mm-hmm. people are always going to ask for more money, but oftentimes you'll hear in the industry, well, I looked on levels.fyi or I live in X amount of, I live here, but I'm interviewing for a job in New York. So I need $70,000 more, right? Um, I respect that New York or where you're living is a more expensive city, but the company also has a pay philosophy, right? Companies determine what their pay philosophy is, whether they're paying 90th percentile like fan companies, or maybe they're 75th percentile, but they offer really competitive benefits to some degree. So there's a lot of variability. It's not as black and white as I think some people think salary negotiation is. But it seems like for the most part, a lot of the companies you worked at have been fairly competitive and fair. Competitive, yeah. And also- equity, you know, mm, so like we work was like pushing equity, right? Um, you know, so we were able to sell um, on that as well if there weren't, if there were gaps. Mm-hmm. Another question I want to ask is how important do you think it is for the brand recognition of the company you're working at to um, help you succeed as a recruiter. So in other words, it's like if you were a recruiter at WeWork and most people, if you are experienced professional here in the States and you know something about tech, probably would have heard of WeWork, right? If you were to email someone you're like, hey, I represent WeWork, I'm sure there's a pretty high chance you'll get a response. Mm-hmm. Let's say you join a smaller company, maybe Streamlit, maybe Xander, maybe these are like a little bit lesser known. How much more difficult was it for you to recruit uh, at smaller companies where maybe the brand recognition was uh, not as large or, or prevalent as we were. Yeah, I had that experience at Streamlit. I mean, it was, it's difficult. I think the the biggest thing is, yes, if you have a name brand recognition, your response rate's going to be higher. But let me tell you this, if you don't know what the team is working on and you can't be specific about what that direct person's impact is going to be, whether it's highlighting past accomplishments what you'll be working on currently that our team needs solved and being very specific, it is hard to recruit anywhere, right? The more senior you go, um, because people like us, right, in recruiting, there are parts of recruiting that we like and there's parts that we don't. And so we have to be very specific with understanding and targeting larger market, uh, larger, more senior folks. So I think the strategy is a lot more different. You have to sell on, you know, at Streamlit, we sold a lot on, the market opportunity, you know, how many folks utilize Python, um, you know, what is this impact for data science and machine learning? Why is this framework going to be really important um, to the industry? Um, but then also selling on grow, personal growth opportunity um, versus just selling name brand, right? I think a lot of times if you work at fame companies or well-known companies, you're just like, hi, I work here, we're hiring, want to talk, you know, um, but the conversion, you still have to be knowledgeable um, about your team and the role to really convert these candidates. It's like, it's a tough market. I'm sure you know that. I love it. It all comes back to sales. There's only so much a salary can do by itself. And there's only so much a brand recognition the company can do by itself. Everything else has to be like thoroughly communicated effectively to uh, the candidate to generate an response, to generate excitement and engagement and then to obviously bring him or her through the entire process. So I, I definitely appreciate that. So we work and then, you know, you joined Streamlit and then this company, it was just the first uh, official acquisition you went through in your professional career? I would say be the where I had like a direct impact. Yeah, well, I was with LinkedIn when Microsoft bought and then oh. Xander got bought by AT&T. Um, but Streamlit was certainly like the grittiest, like I, we hired, you know, 50 people in a year, like we were able to really scale across tech and sales. So it was definitely a highlight of my professional career for sure. Man, so I I can immediately see there's a theme in your career. I don't know if it was intentional, Austin, but like you 
working at multiple companies, doing a lot of zero to one initiatives, like you did mm-hmm. at JobSpring. Um, you worked at really high profile companies. And coincidentally, a lot of them went through some sort of M&A event uh, in, in one capacity or another. So yeah. that's, that's really, really cool. You said it was a high impact event. So what when an acquisition happens, just, just if you can share with the audience, what goes through your mind, your team's mind? I'm sure there's also a lot of question marks, like what does it mean for my job or our jobs? Um, because usually acquisition is a positive, but it doesn't always have to be a positive event, right? It could also be a negative or maybe an uncertain event. So sure. what was your experience real quick? Yeah, my personal experience was um, excitement, but terrified at the same time, really sort of like what you mentioned, like what is this going to mean? You know, will we be dissolved as an acquisition? How are they going to be using the product? What does that mean for my growth and career trajectory? You know, I was on the path to become a head of talent at Streamlit. You know, I, I want to eventually get out of just being an individual recruiter. I want to flex and own my management skills and build a team of recruiters. And so I was like, well, what, what is that going to be? What is that going to mean for my career? Right. That was one of the large reasons why I joined Streamlit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, with, with any acquisition, there are certainly trade-offs both personally you know that you would face or the whole company faces but i think we've done a really good job um well i actually am now more siloed i don't work directly with streamlit anymore i just recruit for toronto um snowflake um but i think the transition went smoothly on my end um you know it's hard to part ways with my streamlit team but uh, i'm able to transfer those skills with toronto with again another zero to one recruiting initiative so um yeah, I guess what is this the fourth time or fifth time? So yeah. So what's what's uh, next for you, Austin? Like, do you think that uh, I mean you've worked and established yourself as clearly very very successful in recruiting on the agency and internal side? Is this it? You're gonna dig in your heels and just take it as far as you can? Um, so if you were <laughs> to envision yourself three to five years from now, what other zero to one initiatives will Austin be? a part of what other M&A yeah. acquisition events? Like, what, what, what do you think? It's a good question. I'm thinking, of, you know, I'm thinking about it now. You'll have to stay tuned. It'll mm. definitely be something in the talent space. Um, or maybe I'll pivot and, and finally follow my, my passion of fashion and, and move into that route. So we'll see. I'm still really young. To, I'm still really young, Preston. So we'll see see what happens how either way I, I know you'll crush it and if ever Austin, you need a solid reference for your managerial skills you know who to find you can always reach out to me awesome. i'll be like look what happened but i'm i am curious how in your yeah. words um in your experience how helpful was starting your recruiting career at an agency um before you switched to in-house like if you were to just uh if, if your first recruiting job was an entry-level in-house role would you still, you think you could still be as successful as you are today? Or uh, mm. do you think having that agency experience played a large role? I don't think I would be as confident or articulate or um, motivated if I hadn't started on the agency side. I attribute most of my professional success to having experience working in an agency. I don't know if necessarily you should have stayed as long as I did, but I think that everyone should be exposed to that breadth of skill set that you get on the agency side. Mm-hmm. I, I owe my whole, whole career for like sticking through it. I mean, I got to move to New York. I got to work and recruit for different organizations. I met so many people like yourself that I still keep in touch with. Yeah. So I think it's, it's made a great impact on my career. I would highly recommend it. Nice. Couple more questions. So for someone that's, uh, you know, working a lot in internal side, what are some of your favorite tools, ATS, plugins that you just cannot live without as a recruiter? Mm, greenhouse. Mm-hmm. OG. OG, gem for sure. Oh, I mean, you obviously talked about Notion, okay. Notion is really great. Um, yeah, everyone should check out Notion. What else do we use? Link- do you have like a favorite like plugin to help you find people's contact info or I don't know, just make no, coordinating easier. I used easier. to use those like old school, I don't know what even they were, but where you put in like the domain of the engineer's website to find their email. Do you remember what that was called? Oh, mail tester. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't use that anymore. I mean, 
I'm a little bit far removed from the sourcing aspect now. Like it, we, I work with a sourcer typically in my roles or we've used agencies. Um, so my tool set's probably a little basic, but oh, Notion, 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 Notion. Everyone should use Notion. Huge shout out to Notion. And Austin, what do you think is like, going, how do you think, um, what is the future of recruiting in, in your words? Or what is like a theme that you're starting to see uh, that maybe is a little bit different now than for example, five, seven years ago? for someone that's like in the, the thick of it at really great technology fast growth companies. It's funny, like this is gonna be so cliche, but I think the work from home thing is gonna be an interesting play. Mostly because I see the benefit on benefit and kind of challenges or risk on both sides. One mm -hmm. is being a recruiter, you can work from home and do your job very effectively for sure. You don't need to go into the office. Mm -hmm. um, but on the flip side, I think about it from a management and training perspective versus in the bullpen or whatever we called it back in the day, you learn so much hearing from other people and absorbing how somebody pitches or frames something. How do they negotiate? How do they speak with a different client or candidate, right? Um, you know, not necessarily code switching, but there are various types of formalities that you might use and be able to craft your own voice. Um, and I think that you don't get that working from home. So I think mm -hmm. that that might be an interesting thing in the future is how do we train workforces remotely in roles where there is value in being close to individuals like sales, right? Recruiting. Um, so I think that I'm excited to see what transpires from that. What Real do you quick. think? Um, remote is definitely a top of mind. It's a yeah. very dynamic and complicated situation. I was just going to ask you though, where, where on that spectrum do you personally fall? Do you prefer remote roles for yourself or do you also prefer going to the office here and there? I prefer hybrid for me. Mm -hmm. I think there are certain days and times where I think it's more productive to be at home, but I also am a pretty social person, as you know, so I do like to go into the office and it's good change of pace. I also live in New York in a small apartment with my partner. So I don't think he needs to hear me on the phone eight hours a day, pitching the same thing over and over again. <laughs> oh my God. And then what, what are you seeing in, in terms of the market? Like are more people leaning remote, more people leaving, uh, leaning office hybrid, or just it's kind of like an equal. I would say there's definitely more people who want fully remote or hybrid flexibility. Mm -hmm. But I think we need more data. If someone has a report on this, I would love to see it. But being able to understand how micro or macro trends have affected hiring trends. I mean, with the pandemic, there's a lot of folks who moved out of metropolitan cities who potentially bought houses or got bigger spaces. They might have moved away. I mean, trying to get them back into the office at this point it is, is tough. Um, you become accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Um, and honestly, you save time. Right, right. Like if I don't have to have a 30 minute to one hour commute and I can spend more time with my family or give myself some time back in the, in the beginning or end of my day. I think that people have changed their mindset on, I don't know, prioritizing themselves. I, I know for me, that was a big change. Cause I've always been like dive into my work all the time, like get up at six, like be in the office. Like, you know, it's, it's a different mentality. And I think it's, I think it's healthier to have a balance like that. Yeah, I, I think it's cool. I mean, I prefer I prefer remote with mm -hmm. with aspects of like hybrid and office. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the type of person like you. I just put my head down and I just I get consumed, and then I just have to like check out for the day at, later later in the day. But um, I I see like a pretty pretty even split with the people that we talk to. It's obviously a little bit heavier with hybrid and um, compared to full remote compared to full in office. Um, but mm -hmm. it's just always so funny for me to like talk to someone. They're like, I hate remote. I want full office, right? Um, and then when he talks, I'm like, wow, that was actually our lives, like not even like two or three years ago um, when the whole remote thing wasn't even a conversation. So yeah. what I think what it is today is going to certainly be different a year, three years, five years from now. So it'll be very interesting to see like what happens. I mean, we're now seeing big tech and making these announcements to try to force people back into the office, right? Mm -hmm. And that's experiencing a lot of pushback. So mm -hmm. We'll see what happens, right? We'll, we'll see, yeah. And I think, and I don't know what how much time we have left, but I think also too, a lot of these big tech companies' culture was embedded in going into the office, mm -hmm. right? They have these campuses and all these perks and your cafeterias and all of these things, right? Uh, not to mention long-term leases. 
Um, but I think that that's, that's also a big push. You know, they're having to recraft their identity of the employee that works at that company when a lot of attraction and reason people work at those companies is for um, the culture. And that mm -hmm. can be defined by many things, but um, in-person office is a big thing. So. Certainly an interesting thought, but I want to ask you one more final question as I know our time is up, but if sure. you were to give one what would be your biggest advice to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps, who wants to have a successful career in recruiting, um, working at really great, you know, tech fast growth mm -hmm. companies like yourself? What would it be? Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You'll, you'll make the mistake. So just go for it. Um, I've spent a lot of my early career being scared to make a mistake and just go for it. Go for it whether it's an idea or reach out to somebody or ask questions um, because I was scared that I would be judged for making a mistake. The first mistake isn't a mistake. It's a learning lesson. So that person is going to, someone's going to give you feedback on how to improve. You don't get good at your job and you don't become professionally successful without being bruised. So like go out there make mistakes and learn from them. I love it. That is one thing I personally agree and, and resonate with as well. I think mistakes are learning experiences and you just get better and smarter mm. by, by learning from it. But uh, Austin, I uh, just want to thank you again. I think for people who are listening, if um, you know people are they have questions about recruiting, perhaps they want to reach out to you and maybe even apply for a job that you are personally working at, where, yeah. where, where can they find you? Yeah, definitely add me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to be getting more active. I've been lacking on the thought leadership posts on LinkedIn, but um, yeah, definitely add me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm working at Snowflake. Um, so if there's job opportunities that you see on our career site, um, if I'm working on them, happy to chat or I'm happy to share your background with folks on the team. But thank you, Preston. I'm so proud of you. I'm excited that we've stayed in contact and that you've been um, running this successful agency. So. Um, congrats to you as well. Thank you, Austin. Means a lot. I am your legacy and grateful every single day that you took a chance on me. And thank you so much again. Honestly, every time I talk to you, it just feels like you and I are working back together in the agency right? world. And <laughs> it's so great to see you just, you know, work at these amazing companies and just crushing it. And you will continue to crush it, whether it's in recruiting or maybe you're going to finally embrace your passion for fashion, Austin, and do something great there. But Thank you so much again for being part of the show and excited awesome. to see what you would do in your career. And we'll certainly keep in touch, of course, help each other out when we can. But uh, thank you again. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, people, um, if you're listening, make sure you reach out to Austin. Amazing thought leader, executor, just fantastic networker and recruiter in the tech world. Uh, please definitely reach out to him. Awesome. Thanks, Preston. Thanks, Austin. Have a good day. We'll talk to you. Thank tonight. you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe for other great stories that are coming up. If you need any help with hiring, know of anyone who's looking for a job, or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at www.kickstartfinder.com. Really, really appreciate it, and we'll see you on the next one.